guys, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Mindset Podcast, where we believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need just two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. I am your host, Maria Bentz, and I am the founder of MBM Agency, a digital marketing company who helps service-based businesses grow their revenue using online strategies. And I am here to share with you all of my tips and pointers every single week when it comes to digital marketing and business growth. Today's episode is sponsored by our premium Wix templates. If you're totally stumped on how to build your own website, but can't afford to hire a designer, that does not mean that you should skip out on the important things in the process like professional design, sales formula copywriting, and search engine optimization. Our premium Wix website templates are created with marketing and sales in mind. And the best part is you can have a professional looking and functional website in just under 24 hours. Our website templates are completely stress-free. They're easy to use, so that means no Photoshop or coding required. They are designed to convert based on our signature homepage formula, and they are ready to launch as soon as you are done designing. So if you want to check this out, get it at mbmagency.com forward slash shop and use the discount code mindset to get 30% off. Okay, welcome back to the show. Today I have John Wall with me today. He speaks, writes, and practices at the intersection of marketing, sales, and technology. He is the producer of Marketing Over Coffee, a weekly audio program that discusses marketing and technology with his co-host Christopher Penn and has been featured on iTunes. And his notable and gra- notable guests include Oren Claff, Ryan Holiday, Chris Brogan, David Meerman Scott, Simon Sinek, and Seth Godin. Has, his work has been cited by Forbes, CBS Evening News, The Associated Press, Inc. Magazine, The Boston Globe, DM News, and Featured Apple Podcast. John is now a partner at Trust Insights, and he has held positions specializing in customer relationship management, marketing automation, and sales support systems at both venture-funded and privately held businesses. And he's been able to work with clients such as Amazon, Salesforce, Microsoft, and Oracle. So John, welcome to the Marketing Mindset Podcast. I am super pumped to talk with you today. Thanks, Maria. I'm glad to join you. Yeah, that was the full, <laughs> my <laughs> full, full resume there. <laughs> Yeah, I was telling John right before we started recording that his podcast was actually one of the original marketing podcasts I started listening to when I first got into marketing because I kind of not fell into marketing. Like I kind of went to school for communications um, and then after school, I kind of went to do something else. So when I actually got into marketing, it was kind of had to almost learn on my own. So I was just listening and watching all the resources I could find. That's, yeah, it's amazing. And that's so common for all marketers too, you know, because marketing is just such a great discipline because you've got everything from hardcore statistical analysis and machine learning stuff, like some of the stuff that we do. And all the way at the other end, you've got, you know, illustrators and graphic designers and, and people who are, you know, as artsy as you can get. So Mm -hmm. it's fun to be able to kind of cover the whole base. And yeah. And so we end up coming from all over the place. This is true. This is true. And I started more of like the graphic, like design stuff and then kind of stepped over to the uh, like analytical data. (laughs) 
Yeah, isn't it? It's challenging too because it takes your whole brain to kind of get everything going. And it's funny too in that as you're a smaller organization, it's a lot more fun because you do get to do everything. And as your companies start to grow and you start to specialize, you know, I have a lot of friends that after four or five years, they kind of get tired of where they're at because, you know, they used to get to do everything. And now, mm. God forbid, you get to the point where it's like all you're doing is Google ads all day long. I mean, that's uh, it's a whole different thing and tough to take. This is true. I could see that happening. Um, so today I wanted to chat with John about social media trends in 2020. But before we dive into that, tell me a little bit about your own marketing journey. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, right out of school, I was doing a lot of work for a firm that did litigation and arbitration. And I did that for about five years. And um, at that point, the internet was really starting to kind of ramp up and bulk email was getting to be the big thing. And so I jumped over to tech. And I've been doing startups after that, you know, since then, uh, since I was around 2000. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is Trust Insights is my seventh um, startup that we've, I've jumped to. Oh, wow. And it's been kind of back and forth. You know, I was um, doing pure kind of, well, actually started in the marketing event tech space. Like we did the first customer relationship management event. Mm -hmm. We did the first marketing automation events. And then from there, I jumped into a couple of startups. And then what, around... Um, 2005, I think I went over to Marketing Sherpa, which was kind of like the marketing profs of its time. And so I was back kind of on the marketing pub side and got to see everything that was going on. And that's when search engine, search engine optimization and search engine marketing really kind of exploded. You know, that became the, the way to generate traffic and get business. And then it was back into the startup thing again. Um, but uh, I've been doing the Marketing Over Podcast, Marketing Over Coffee podcast for over 10 years and working with Christopher Penn. And he was at uh, Shift PR doing PR and communications type mm -hmm. stuff. And he was doing so much marketing and analytics against that statistical analysis that he finally decided, you know, I need to just start my own firm doing this for all marketing, not just for PR. And so uh, almost two years ago now, I actually joined up with him and his partner, Katie Robert, um, because we were just, this was already taking up all of our time between the podcast and the analytics stuff that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what brought me to Trust Insights. And yeah, it's been... Uh, quite an interesting run, you know, a lot of different stops along the way, but I'm really excited to be working with the team I'm with now because we all have kind of similar background and are on the same page and it makes it very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Dana, that is so early 2000s. So right now, obviously in 2020, we're going through a, a, a interesting year and I'm sure 20 or 2001 was kind of interesting as well. Have you seen, like, is there any tips that you can give to people kind of building business now or marketing now um, that you kind of have had experience back then, see what worked after kind of people started coming back out of everything that happened then and then, you know, kind of comparing to now. Yeah, no, that's a good question. You're a good. I mean, you're a student of history now too, because that's just ancient stuff. But yeah, so the first, the bubble, that was the bubble they called that. The thing that was interesting with that was that was really the tech sector completely imploded. You know, mm. it was the NASDAQ, even it wasn't as much the general stock market, but it was everybody that was on all these tech stocks. And it had come to the point where, you know, you had dentists and, you know, people that knew absolutely nothing about tech just pouring money into that market. And then it imploded and a lot of the startups, you know, just completely went up in flames. And so there wasn't much more to that than just ride it out. The 2008 one is a little bit more, uh, you know, the whole housing implosion and the, uh, yeah. You know, bad debt for mortgages. That was a lot more kind of like what we're seeing right now. And 
there's really no easy way to get through. I mean, the, the common wisdom is you take this time to step back and upgrade all your infrastructure. You know, you kind of do all those projects that you never got a chance to do as far as like, okay, do we finally, you know, clean up the website and do we clean up and optimize all of our sales processes? Mm -hmm. And so you can do all of that, but you really, there's not much you can do when the whole world is in a state of panic, you know, I mean, you just have to sit back and let it play out and you can take any opportunity to be helpful. I mean, that's the big thing that people miss. This is not the time to be, you know, I got an email this morning. Have you signed up for my webinar yet? Like, uh, (laughs) did you come up with a worse subject line of something (laughs) I don't care about? I mean, at least even tell me what the webinar is about. Yeah. Um, So yeah. And it's, um, I think one important thing, though, is it's not the time to just kind of give up. For smaller businesses, this is the time where you can go back to your partners and your customers and, you know, really help out when they're in a bind. You know, if your customers can't make their payment this month, we'll just say, well, let's just, you know, roll it to next month and we'll figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, you can step up. And the same deal with your vendors. You know, you can go back to people that you've been advertising with or doing other projects with and just say, hey, look, you know, can you cut this back by 20 or 30% because things are going to be rough for the next couple months. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be able to sort out who the champions are and who the people are that really want to step up and help you. And, you know, you'll be prepared for when things bounce back because they always do. So it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I, I like how you, how you mentioned, take this time to really focus on like redoing your website. What can you do to just work on the internal side of your business. I think that's something that we've taken right now too is because I felt like I never had time to focus on my own business. Like you're always focusing on clients and um, I was always trying to make time. And I feel like now, even though like for the most part, things are fine, but for some reason, it's just, it truly is the perfect time to just focus on your business, focus on your systems and processes. Um, So I love how you mentioned that. Yeah, we use, um, there's a traction framework, uh, uh, Justin Weinberg and Gabriel Maris wrote this book traction a couple of years ago, and we've updated a lot of the stuff to that, mm-hmm. but a big idea is they're just like, look, you need to be spending, it's 50, 50, you spend half your time mm-hmm. trying to get new business and you spend the other half of the time on the product. And what we see with so many startups is they just spend all their time on the product and adding new features and they don't do the work to get people in the door and really do that product marketing side of like, okay, is what we're building actually what people want to buy? Mm-hmm. And there's a, so that's one part is if there's, you don't have a fit, you have a problem there. But then the other one is, you know, there's hundreds and thousands. I mean, it's just a tired old saw of there's all these products that were the best in their space, but they just didn't do any marketing. They just thought that if they built it, people would show up and that's just not how things work. You know, there's other things at play. And if you really don't have the awareness or aren't making the work to get in front of people so they find you faster, somebody else will take it or somebody else will come up with something better. But yeah, you have to be putting half your time in to grow the business or it's not going to happen. Very true. So my podcast is, you know, it's called the marketing mindset podcast. And I named that because I truly believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. So since you've had kind of your journey with working with different startups, um, what has been the main mindset struggle that you've seen as you're kind of growing and scaling your businesses? And then how did you overcome it? Yeah, the biggest thing is with mindset is that whole, um, the founder's mentality of here's my product, look at my thing, gee, isn't this great? You know, there are baby pictures as we joke about, you know. (laughs) 
and you have these sales decks where the first three slides are like, here's our building, here's our management team, you know, and it's all, you have to cut through all of that and just get to what's in it for me, you know, for the prospect or the customer. Everything you do has to go around the customer. And as far as, you know, hey, if I told you about this product and that it could do X for you, you know, do you want to learn more? Those are the kinds of, that's the kind of shift you always have to make of, you know, think first about what is the offer for the customer or the prospect and why are they going to be interested in it? And yeah, it is all about mindset and it's, you know, you can go from the smallest startup to the, you know, fortune five company, you'll easily find marketing stuff that they've done. That's just, you know, Hey, look at my baby pictures and Oh, aren't we great. And you know, for, there's just so much stuff out there that prospects and customers will just gloss over that and ignore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have, are you familiar with story brand by Donald Miller? No, no. Oh, it's a good one. Um, it, as you're talking about, it just brings me back because he wrote this book and it's this whole concept of marketing almost like in a story way, but he's saying that so many businesses market themselves as they're the hero. Like, look at me, how amazing I am, all, the, all these things. And then he's like, um, your customer has to be the hero. Like you're just the guy that helps them get solve them to solve their problem. But it just reminded me so much of what you're saying. And it was one of the first books I read and it just completely like opened my eyes. And now I like started noticing like how many companies, especially I've noticed too, when people are starting out are like, Hey, look at me, look how amazing we are. This is all our credibles, our authority, like all those different things that people probably don't necessarily care about until they can see what you can do for them. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? So um, Ron Plouffe, the guy who has written a bunch of books on storytelling and the story, how pitch mm, deck is mm-hmm. one of his things, but he had a great analogy of, you know, your product is not King Arthur. You're not the hero. Your product is Excalibur. It's the sword. Mm. You know, you're selling what the hero needs to get to where they want to go. And that's a, and it's great that you bring that up because that goes right into, even when you're selling the sword, you don't write about, Oh, look, the sword is, you know, 5.8 pounds and it's, you know, 63 inches long. It's no, you know, imagine yourself walking down, you know, the, the corridor and you need a trusted weapon at your side. What are you going to do? You know, the story still goes back to the hero Mm -hmm. and yeah, you you don't talk about the tools, but yeah, the products are just the tools. Yeah. That's good advice. Um, so kind of let's go into social media trends of 2020. Um, I know this is a topic that I know my listeners love social media. People are trying to see how they can grow in different avenues, but I know social media is definitely a popular one. And you have a pretty popular podcast, Marketing Over Coffee, and you've had some significant guests that you've interviewed. And I know a lot of my entrepreneur friends and people that are listening are thinking about starting a podcast in the near future. So how can an entrepreneur go about building an engaged and loyal audience to turn your podcast into a powerful marketing tool? Yeah, that's a a good question because it's really, there's so many podcasts out there, you know, we've crossed over like the million marks. So there's tons of stuff out there. Um, If you're going to focus specifically on podcasting, the most important thing there is just be unique. um, And Christopher Lockett has a a book niche down that talks a lot about this, but you just keep, uh, you know, slicing your market. So it's not just that you're, um, you know, you run a funeral home, it's a funeral home in um, Northern Illinois and you specialize in maybe a certain religion. You know, you keep slicing down until you get to the thing where you're absolutely unique. And that's the thing you want to talk about and podcast about. Because, it, yeah, unfortunately now, you know, you're fighting against National Public Radio and New York Times and all these other podcasts. So you have to be unique and have a voice that, um, 
is providing something that people can't get anywhere else. Like the classic example of that one is it used to be that everybody could do a podcast about whatever, you know, popular TV show or a movie and you could do well that way because there's a million, more than a million, there's hundreds of millions probably of Harry Potter fans out there and they'll listen to whatever's out there. But now you have the brands themselves, you know, JK Rowling is not doing Mm -hmm. it, but you know, for pretty much any TV show, you'll find a podcast that's done by somebody who's actually working on the show. And so, you know, they're going to give you the stories that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. They're going to win there. So. How was the podcast space 10 years ago? I'm like, I'm so curious of how different <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah, how, how things have changed. Well, the really interesting was I started in 2000, the end of 2005, when um, <clears throat> this guy, Dave Weiner, um, had figured out a way. He, in fact, was pretty much one of the early inventors, was one of the inventor probably of, of RSS, the actual syndication mm-hmm. um, software behind the scenes. And he figured out how to attach audio files to it. And at that point, you know, there was a point where I jumped in where there weren't even a thousand podcasts, you know, wow. I mean, there was almost no podcasts at all. And you could get 2000, I would get like, I'm trying to think, yeah, 2000 listeners a week because that was just everybody that there was and there was nothing else for them to listen to. Um, by around uh, 20, uh, what, 2007, when we started the podcast, I think that around there you were starting to get around to like 30 or 50,000 podcasts. And within a year, that was when Apple finally picked it up and added oh, wow. it to iTunes. And so that was like, everybody went berserk when that happened because yeah. it was still kind of just a nerd thing. Um, and then when Apple picked it up, but even then it still didn't light up until Serial, that the true crime podcast Serial. When that uh, okay. showed up, that okay. was when like the mass market just you know, <laughs> jumped in the door. Cause I, I like, Oh, so a good example for that one was like when we started, you know, doing two or 3000 downloads a week, was pretty good. And then around um, 2008, 2010, you know, the best tech podcasts would crack a half a million episodes. Like that was a big deal. If you could yeah. crack 400, 500,000. And now it's, you know, there's shows that'll do a million, two million, you know, the first week when they drop. That's so, so crazy. Yeah, it's completely changed. Did you see, like, when Apple came on the scene, did you see a huge uh, spike in, like, listeners? No, that's the one thing that's been really interesting for us is that it's just kind of like been this slow organic 10 to 20% a month growth rate for the entire run. You know, it just kind of just keeps bumping up. Um, The one, the the trick, the thing that was interesting that really gave us a lift was, and you kind of level up as you go. It's like, as you do more shows and you get more audience, then you get access to better guests. Yeah. And the trick is when authors are going to release a new book, suddenly all these people that would never talk to you now are looking for everybody in the world to get in front of to talk about their new book. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, being able to talk to Seth Godin and then Simon Sinek, um, some of those guys, and they have their own communities. So, you know, once you get a chance to interview one of them, then you can Facebook advertise against their audiences. And, you know, there's people that are just going to listen to everything Seth Godin does. It doesn't matter who it is. They want to hear it. And yeah. so those were points where you could kind of pick up a thousand subscribers in a shot mm-hmm. um, that's good advice to advertise to their listeners in it like an episode yeah 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 that's a, <laughs> facebook advertising is just so great for this because it's you know like i have a friend who's a musician and he's talking about how he's you know a cross between billy joel and ben folds five and like you can actually go on facebook and be like okay throw me everybody that's in both the billy joel and the ben's fold mm-hmm, five list and mm-hmm. advertise to those people yeah so 
yeah, yeah, there's a lot of uh, things you can do on that front. And, you know, anytime you interview somebody at a larger company, you can advertise to the company. Yeah, um, yeah. They want to hear their own gospel. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways to go with that. True. And then one more podcast question, because I'm just so curious. Were you a podcast listener before you started yours? Um, yeah, you know, like all the way back in the day, it was Adam Curry, the old MTV VJ. He did this podcast called the daily source code and he was doing it just every day so that everybody that was writing all the podcast software would have a fresh file to like run through and test their stuff. But of course, you know, being MTV VJ and he was in this, uh, somewhere in Benelux and like, uh, I don't know if it was Netherlands. Yeah, I think it was Netherlands where he was. He did a reality TV show. Like he had cameras in his house with his family. You know, he, so he had access to all these crazy guests and he could do all kinds of cool stuff. And he still does podcasts. But so yeah, I would listen to that. And then, yeah, you kind of pick up, um, again, it's like niches. Like Kevin Smith, I love everything that he does. So I listen to his stuff. And then NPR has always been the high watermark for quality. You know, you mm-hmm. always want to try and match them or get as close as you can to them. But yeah, the things have changed too now, just in this past year with everything going on with the pandemic, it's, you know, nobody's commuting from to or from work. So that's kind of changed the mix a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah. It, I, oh, no. Did we get oh, you? And I, okay. It cut us off a little bit. Hold on. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. I said something about my internet, which is so weird. It, okay. Okay. There we go. I think it's back. That's that okay. never, that usually never happens. And- <laughs> <laughs> we have to pick up at some point or? Um, yeah. I'm trying to see the last thing I heard. You like ended a sentence before you started your new thought. Can you hear me? What was the last, what was the last thing I was talking about? Gosh, I'm like in my brain totally just like <laughs> went out. As soon as I saw the internet, I was like, <gasps> um, what was it? What were you just talking about? <laughs> um, we t- I was talking about Adam Curry and then um, NPR, Kevin Smith. Okay, yes, we got uh, that. And then listening habits changing because of coronavirus. Oh, okay, yeah, that's where you just ended was right. people are not driving anymore. Okay. So yeah, people are, you know, not driving anymore and the landscape's changed a little bit, but we haven't seen a real, uh, there was in March, we were about 10% down, but April has bounced back already and it's been uh, interesting, but yeah. And I was always a huge audio geek before all of this. You know, I was DJing, burning my own CDs, you know, I've always played around with audio editing stuff. And so this was just a natural progression. That was the next thing to jump into. Yeah. It's so cool because I have some, I do have quite a bit of podcasters on, but most of the podcasters I talk to are just within the last couple of years. So it's so cool. I feel like to have a podcast veteran (laughs) before (laughs) everything got, you know, super popular because you said you went on since before there was like a thousand podcasts or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, you know, when things first took off because it was just spreading organically amongst people that liked the tech, like there was no outlet. It wasn't, you know, once Apple jumped on board and started pushing it, you know, with the iPhone, that was when mm-hmm. things just kind of went crazy. It makes sense. All right. So on the topic of marketing trends for 2020, um, what would you say are the most important social media trends for 2020 and what should sales and marketing people kind of think about, focus on, and specifically, I wanted to talk about Instagram and TikTok. 
Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you know, first of all, though, unfortunately, the disclaimer is with everything that's gone on these past two months, a lot of the data analysis that we've done has just been blown out of the water. You know, it's everything that we were looking at as far as trends and uh, because we do a lot of historical analysis, you know, we'll mm-hmm. go back five years worth of trends and s- watch topics and we can you know, reliably predict which topics will surface when. Um, and so uh, at the end of 2019, we ran this analysis and there were a couple of things that had come up. Instagram is still just on the way up, you know, it's, it's gaining ground and momentum and stuff is working well over there. Advertising is getting more solid over there. TikTok by the end of 2019, we had not kind of given an all in on that. I mean, when we dug a little deeper into the numbers, we found out that it was, you know, the United States was not a stronghold. Like the majority of the stuff was happening in China mm. and there was some buzz here, but really all the activity was over there. <clears throat> there's also the problem of that data all being housed in China. You know, there's a lot of brands and companies that aren't going to be wanting to, you know, post a bunch of their lists and get involved with the community where the data is all housed there. Uh, because, you know, the way things are set up, the government can have access to all the data whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting. But, uh, you know, around, um, you know, February, March, we had seen that TikTok was still just kind of on this massive hockey stick. And, you know, people should grab their brand names over there to protect themselves, even if they're not going to do the content. Um, but it really comes down to, you know, what channel works best for you? And is it the best fit for you? Um like, for example, I mean, podcasting is fantastic for creating stuff, but really every company needs to make sure that they've got a strong blog presence before they go over to podcasting because mm. it's just an easier lift. You know, if you've got all your content up on your website, now you're going to get inbound search traffic and inbound search for podcasting is not there. You know, the mm. um, automatic dictation of podcasts and scanning for text and topics is just not where it needs to be. You know, you're not going to look for popular topics and find an episode of a podcast. Like that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you're really doing the the work to kind of figure out which cha- channels you're going to focus on and really don't ever focus on more than three until you've got proven results in any one of them, you know, because for every social channels are just like every marketing channel in that there's usually a learning curve and you get kind of the best, um, return on investment as you have more experience. So as you, you know, if you're making, you know, if you're posting on Instagram, running Instagram ads after three months of doing that, you know, you're going to be doing a lot better than just the general public that signs up today. And so you want to kind of pick your three channels and then ride one as far as you can. I mean, of the three, figure out which one does the best. And then, you know, a lot of people even just double down Mm -hmm. on single channels to milk them for all they're worth, because that is the best investment that you can get you know, the biggest mistake we see are people who just spread themselves too thin. They're, you yeah. know, on four or five different channels. And, you know, next thing you know, they're really not posting on three of them or whatever. And it just starts to look bad. Even, you know, the worst case is if you start having engagement and you're not answering, yeah. you know, that that's, you're just kind of making yourself look deaf and uh, you know, then, then you just get into more trouble. Have you seen anything recently on Instagram? Um, like something where you see a company or a brand doing something really well where you're like, wow, people should really pay attention to this. Yeah. I mean, the, the best thing that I've seen is, you know, it's more of a bigger company thing or at least companies that have established ad teams is remarketing, you know, do, or, or uh, retargeting. Mm-hmm. It depends mm-hmm. on whether you're with Google or not what you call it. <laughs> but, you know, when I'm looking for audio gear via Google and on Amazon, and then I go over to Instagram and I st- start seeing that content over there. I mean, that kind of stuff is engaging to me. It's kind mm-hmm. of like if I'm in the middle of a purchasing 
cycle seeing the stuff over there, it's a hundred percent relevant. I mean, there's, yeah. there's people that get bothered about being chased around from channel to channel, but you know, I'd much rather see an article for something that I'm thinking about buying than random mortgage ads, you know, yeah, just yeah. ridiculous stuff. And I could agree with you. If I'm like in the middle of a, a buying cycle, I have definitely seen that Facebook ad and been like, oh, okay, might as well. Cause I keep thinking <laughs> about it. It's here. It's convenient. Like I might as well purchase. <laughs> it locks it in. Yeah. Isn't it? Cause especially for a lot of products that kind of a big image in front of you just really grabs you. You're like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I can see myself owning that or wearing yeah, that or whatever. Yeah. And I heard a statistic that you need to see something like eight times or something like that before you fully purchase it. And I'm like thinking back on my own buying habits. I'm like, yep, yep, (laughs) definitely true. Yeah. Isn't that, and that's such a challenge for a lot of organizations because you have a lot of people with this direct marketing mindset of like, okay, we're going to spend a buck today and we're going to make two tomorrow. And, you know, better marketing organizations realize that there is this thing of no, you know, you need to generate some awareness. And like you said, if you're in front of somebody eight times over two months, now suddenly you'll notice that that happens. Mm -hmm. And the problem is there's no way to find out about that and test. And the worst thing that can happen is three months later, you look and you say, oh yeah, we shouldn't have shut off those campaigns because now we're feeling it this quarter. Mm -hmm. Like uh, as much as people want direct marketing stuff to work, you know, human behavior is not that predictable. It takes more just kind of getting to know people and staying in front of them to get the thing to move over the long run. Would you say the marketing um, space and just like the way humans think and the way we market, how much has it changed since early 2000s? You know, well, the problem is it's the tools and the channels are changing all the time, but people, you know, we're stuck with 10,000 years of evolution that we're bound to, you know, we don't change at all. Yeah. So it's still exactly the same. And, and the, you know, the big thing that messes with your mind is, you know, you look at some of these studies that say the majority of our decisions are irrational. You know, we're not, everybody thinks that they make their checklist and go down it and buy, but really we make the decision and then we rationalize it with the checklists and go back and fill in the blanks as far as what we do, you know? And so you can, it's like, why do we have so many different types of cars? You know, yeah. like that just makes no sense. Or why isn't, uh, why aren't political elections unanimous? You know, I mean, these are things that if we were rational, these things would happen and yeah. they don't. So yeah, that's the real magic is kind of coming up with, and the, the real, and it goes along with kind of the customer journey and that you can't tell people what to buy. You have to give them everything that they need so that they realize and they decide that it's what they need to buy. Mm -hmm, And so you mm -hmm. have to do a lot of work behind the scenes and stay in front of them to make that happen. That makes sense. So the human brain, uh, essentially, like there hasn't been a huge difference, but just the little details and how we're doing it, how we're showing them, that's the only thing that's really changed. Yeah. Well, it's just this incredible tsunami of, information that we're overwhelmed with. You know, it used to be that if you wanted to buy something on, you know, Thursday night or Saturday, you'd walk over to the main street or to the mall and walk around and buy stuff. Mm -hmm. And now it's, you know, you're pummeled everywhere you look on every webpage with something around the clock. And God forbid you get into the mass media cycle. I mean, it's, you can just listen to the chatter 24 seven. So yeah, us being overwhelmed by all this stuff has changed the game and the approach. And, and that's why pretty much everybody that's successful always starts with that, you know, you need to find 10 people that are interested in what you're doing and you start with them and you work your way up trying to just, you know, advertise to the masses to, to get your thing across. There's just too much noise to yeah. 
That is a good point. Um, so kind of going off a little bit away from social media, but still something marketing online. Um, what should sales and marketing managers be doing in 2020 to utilize SEO to the best of their abilities? Yeah, the easy hit on all that stuff that we're always working with our clients is just having Google Analytics set up properly, you know, have it on and have goals set up. You know, you should have, you don't need the full 20 that they've got in there, but at least set up three or four mm -hmm. so you can see, you know, what gets to a sale, what brings a lead in the door, maybe a couple of the other warm-up campaigns like a newsletter or mm -hmm. uh, webinar online session, but have some stuff set up. So then at the end of the month, you can say, okay, we spent some money on these ads here. It did this. Here's what the sales guys, you know, have been working for them and having, you know, that's all free. I mean, you have this amazing analytic system that doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. So, so do that. And the, the other, besides having the goals set up is the UTM codes, you know, having formatting for links so that any link that you give out for anything should be hitting a, a clicker over in Google Analytics, you know, so mm -hmm. that when you, whether it's running an ad or it's a link you share on an offer or whatever, you can then go back later and see, okay, how did this thing really go and what kind of traffic did it drive? Yeah, that makes sense for us to come back, really take a look. And then that really, I'm sure helps everyone's marketing campaigns to see where we can spend more time on what's doing well, what we can spend more time on. That makes sense. It's like, I feel like such a simple thing that probably a lot of people forget to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would and then be like so the, helpful. It, yeah. It just, at least gives you some kind of map, you know, it may not be the best map, but it's there. And the other one is I always look at the negative list. It's, you know, you're doing seven things and then you go back three months later and you're like, Oh wait, these two things like generated zero traffic. Like we didn't even get a single click on any of this. Yeah. And so, you know, worst case you look and you're like, Oh my God, that was broken. Like that link didn't work. You know, that yeah. happens sometimes. But the other one is, yeah, you can usually find programs that you're just like, yeah, let's just put that money somewhere else because that's just a complete waste of time. Yeah. So what is next for you in 2020? Uh, for us in 2020, well, it's, you know, moving to adapt to what's been going on. I mean, all of our trend reports are still valid. You know, we've been running uh, reports as far as which topics are going to be hot in marketing and tech over the next year. So uh, everything that we're still doing for our customers on that front is big. And then, yeah, it's going to be a lot of, um, well, there's two buckets that it falls into, right? There's the companies that are taking this time to retrench and they're wanting to do audits and clean up their funnel, you know, just make sure that their content is working and where it's going. And then we do have though a few clients that are in related industries. You know, we have some healthcare clients and some folks, uh, like we work with a company that does secure chat with your banks and your doctors. You know, they're just like going berserk. Mm -hmm, they're like, okay, mm -hmm. let's double down on everything because things have exploded. So yeah, I think just, uh, you know, keeping the folks who are running around like crazy in order is number one. And then doing cleanup is number two. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely heads down and, and make it through the yeah. next couple months. Yeah, I know. It's been an interesting year. Everyone who I talk to, everyone's like, well, we planned this, but now <laughs> we're doing <laughs> we're <gonna> <laughs> Um, and then last question, where can people find you online? Yeah, the easiest is marketingovercoffee.com. We've got, you can click there and get the most popular episodes over there. But if you are interested in, you know, machine learning and data analysis, text analysis, trustinsights.ai is where we've got our full list of stuff that we work on over there. And yeah, I'd love to uh, hear from anybody out there. John J. Wall on Twitter too. Feel free to throw me a line over there. I'd love to hear what you've got going on. Awesome. Awesome. 
I will definitely include your links in the podcast show notes so they can connect with you. Highly recommend listening to Marketing Over Coffee. You guys have have some really good episodes. <laughs> Thank there. you. Yeah, we always try to deliver stuff that people can, you know, take and put to work right away. That's the, the best part of it. Yes, yes. So thank you for joining me. Cool. Thank you, Maria. It was a good time. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a review with your main takeaways from this episode. But thanks again for joining me today and I will catch you next time on the Marketing Mindset Podcast.